Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to a back-to-normal time BAMS radio. Unfortunately, they changed the interface on me over the past two weeks, so I'm going to play a song, and I'm going to get everything figured out, and we'll be ready to go in like three minutes. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her head I I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitation. I'm backing up good Good, good. 
Roger Myers, uh, Bama booster big-time guy, and he's going to call in and give us an update on Alabama and the SEC baseball tournament. Meanwhile, we'll discuss softball and uh, the fact that they're hosting a Super Regional starting tomorrow night against Oklahoma. So, uh, And then we're going to have our weekly call in about 15, 20 minutes from Colin Big Steve McGuire. So all in all, a big show. Welcome back, men. I know you guys have missed it. Somebody's typing loud as hell, but that's okay too. Uh, Drew Yarman, what's going on tonight, brother? Not much, my man. Uh, just look forward to being back on the show and uh, back on the back in the saddle. Missed it for uh, two to three weeks. I've uh, been doing a lot of high school softball uh, for the Alabama High School Athletic Association, and uh, enjoyed that and got a chance to see Maddie Moore pitch, who will be at the University of Alabama next year for the Winfield Pirates. They did not repeat as 3A state champions. That went uh, to a very fine uh, Hale County team with a lot of young pitching, really good young talent. But uh, she she did very well still. She missed most of the season, carry with a knee injury. Only pitched in about 13 games, but uh, still had a, a really uh, nice end to her senior year. Yeah, I've noticed a couple of uh, comments about her by Tommy Dees, uh, who is not only executive sports editor of the Tuscaloosa News, but also the beat writer for Alabama softball. And he has had a chance to watch her. Uh, in person and also on tape, and he's he's had nothing but good, good things to say about her. Uh, I tell you what, the way Alabama softball is going right now, I don't I don't know how they could have any better pitching, particularly with the way Osorio has has just taken over. She I had a chance to go uh, this past weekend uh, on Saturday, and I watched her dominate the University of Washington, which had three or four power hitters, and they in two days against her. They're number 20 in the country. In two days, they did not hit one out of the infield. Or actually, they only hit one out of the infield in two days. So she's dominating. And uh, Coach Murphy uh, remarked at the press conference I was at uh, Saturday that as the weather gets hotter, the bats get hotter, and they start hitting more power, uh, they are hitting for more power. They are peaking at the right time of year. And really, with, with Alabama host in Oklahoma, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. And, and, and Auburn hosting Louisiana Lafayette, there's actually a scenario where this state could send possibly, Drew, two teams to Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series. Uh, without a doubt. Uh, Auburn could finally get over the hump. Congratulations to them if that happens. kind of hope it don't but uh, for obvious reasons. But uh, if it did, it would be good for the state. Uh, it would get them finally to the pinnacle of college softball and as Coach Murphy said on my radio program, Talking Ball on 97.7 The Zone earlier this week, uh, you know, there could be as many as seven teams in the World Series from the SEC. When you look at the Super Regional matchups, eight, eight teams make it, Kentucky and, and Florida going head up, so that's at least one. But just think, it could be scary. It could be almost like another SEC tournament. Yeah, it could. And, and you know, Alabama's last game against Auburn uh, in Baton Rouge in the SEC tournament did not go well. Uh, that since we've had a show, Alabama lost, I believe, 7-1. It didn't even look like to me they were really trying to win the game. It, it seemed like Auburn wanted it much more. 
Alabama obviously meant business when they went down to Auburn and won two out of three and came within eyelash of sweeping them. Uh, but that last game in the SEC tournament against Auburn, it acts like Alabama was just kind of going through the motions, and that was an odd thing because that's not been how they've been playing this last month. They've been on fire, and uh, they just played as well as they could have in the games that they won this past weekend in Tuscaloosa at the regional. Uh, they they dispatched everybody they played, including Washington, twice. Twice they beat them. And Washington is a, is a good team, uh, a number 20 team in America. Uh, yeah. Auburn has to host Lafayette, which is a, is a solid softball team. One thing about Lafayette, in, in some ways they're sort of like South Alabama, uh, which Auburn put out last week, but they always have good pitching. And uh, South Alabama battled Auburn tooth and nail uh, before coming up short. Uh, to Auburn's credit, and, you know, I have to give Auburn's coach, uh, Clint Myers, credit. I, I know he looks like Mike Price, but he can coach. Uh, and he can recruit. Oh, and I see girls on there like from Dothan and Girls on there, like from uh, from Haley McLean's high school up at Norman Jordan, and I'm wondering, you know, why are these girls not playing for Alabama? But obviously, you can't take them all. But I'll give I'll give Clint Myers credit. Uh, he and his sons have, have rebuilt all the softball. It really wasn't going anywhere under the previous administration. They've come back, and I'm not ready to say they have a better record and a better RPI than Alabama right now. But that's this year. I'm not ready to say long term they're going to overtake Alabama because Murphy's built the machine. Almost to the point, I've even had a couple people call Murphy to meet Saban in softball. Now, I think to be that, you got to win more than one championship. But I think he will. Uh, I think Alabama softball is doing great, but I've got to tip my hat to Auburn. They have really improved that program. Uh, so I, I don't really want to give them the uh, satisfaction of playing Alabama again in Oklahoma City. I just assume Lafayette put them out, Drew, and Alabama put Oklahoma out. But you never know. This time of year, you're down to 16 teams. And quite frankly, the, the suck teams are all wrong. Okay, They've gone home. So these 16 that are left can all ball, and there's really no way to predict. I feel good for Alabama simply because they're at home and Osorio is picking so well. At the same time, uh, you know, Lauren Chamberlain and Shelby Penley on Oklahoma are two of the top NCAA home run hitters ever, not just this year, but ever. So Alabama's going to have their hands full. Auburn's going to have their hands full. You know, make the best teams win. It should be a a very, very fun weekend for uh, Super Regional softball. Yeah, without a doubt. It's going to be some interesting matchups. I think the Oklahoma series, like Tommy D said on my show as well, he was on after Coach Murphy. He thinks it's a toss-up, but he does lean toward Alabama because of the home field uh, advantage at Rhodes Stadium. And obviously, Osorio, he thinks, is, is, is as good as any young pitcher in the country. And, could be as uh, good as any overall. Uh, the only other young lady he brought up was, was uh, the uh, the All American at Oregon, and he feels like Osorio has been brought along slowly, but is hitting her stride. And as he said, uh, Coach Murphy's team is are their trademark. They they play better at the end of the season, and I think uh, Coach Murphy was very happy with how his lineup swung the bat one through nine. Right, and I want to remind you, if you're listening live tonight, you can call us on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline if you have questions or comments for Drew Thomas or myself. That number uh, for our listeners who are with us live is 714-510-3707. One more time, 714-510-3707. Go ahead and put that in your phone so anytime you have a question for Bams Radio, you can call us. And That is the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. Go online at bigheadsbbq.net and check out 
all the various things that uh, Chuck Pete can do for you regarding catering. And he's got some outstanding barbecue. We have tried it, Drew and I both, and Thomas as well. We know how good it is. We've had the homemade sauce. We've had the triple threat. We've had the, the brisket, the pork, the chicken. He dominates barbecue. But speaking of good food, Drew, uh, I was fortunate enough a couple of times to come up to Huntsville and do your show live with you. Uh, and after one of the shows, we, you and I, got a chance to go and visit the new Asian Limb on uh, Gallatin Street in downtown Huntsville. And we, my friend, had ourselves a very fine meal. Yeah, no question about that. You know, Hey Talkman and her husband, uh, they do a great job uh, with those two restaurants. And it was my first time I've, had, uh, I've eaten at each location. It was my first time in Huntsville and had the tempura shrimp, great. Um, and then some hot and sour soup. And then to top it off, of course, some uh, fried rice with a uh, pulled pork. And, boy, it was a filling meal. I really didn't need anything the rest of the day. Um, uh, and spectacular customer service uh, by Kelly and the crew. And they've got a great uh, restaurant over there. Everyone needs to check them out. And I was also privileged to have sat with her uh, at the Alabama Mercer baseball game for half of that ball game. And she went to sit with her father. But it was great seeing Paige. And I uh, thanked her again for the, the great meal at Asian Rim and uh, it's a restaurant that I think is going to continue to establish itself, and I know it's doing very well in Birmingham, and it's going to do well in the Rocket City as well. Correct. Uh, in the Rocket City, they're on Gallatin Street downtown uh, in Birmingham, where I am. They are at the Colomade. Uh, just really good food, and uh, I know that some of you have been to various Oriental Bistros, and you've tried uh, different things on the menu, such as lettuce wraps. Well, when I was in Huntsville, I tried the lettuce wraps at H&M, and they are awesome. So... Uh, we have actually got someone who I believe complimented us on Twitter earlier today for coming back on the air. Let's go ahead and bring on our first caller on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline, Bubba from Calera. What's going on tonight, buddy? Hey, guys, and yes, that would be me that complimented you on Twitter. Big fan of the show, really like it. And I also want to say hey to Drew. Drew, I follow him on Twitter, and he actually follows me, but Drew is a great guy. Every time I message him on Twitter, it's about two seconds, and he sends me a reply every time. So, Drew, I just think I really appreciate you work so hard, and every time I ask a question, you're right there with the answer, and I just appreciate everything you do, man. No problem, brother, man. Glad to help out. Good deal, good deal. Um I'm excited about the football season. I don't want to jump too far ahead. I know you guys are talking uh, baseball right now. But um, I'm 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 thinking that we're going to have a very good year this year. Um, just me personally, of course, I'm old school. My dad played for Coach Bryant, you know, back in 1960. So I'm real big. When I see defense, a solid kicking game, and a running game, right there, I'm thinking possibly 10 or 11 wins already, and some solid, you know, quarterback play like Nick Saban says, just don't turn the ball over. And I really think we can win the West and the SEC and put ourselves in a position the playoffs, but that's just me thinking right off the bat. But anyway, but uh, I really like the show, guys, and I'm going to let y'all get back to talking baseball or whatever. I just want to call in and say hey to everybody. I love the show and say hey to Drew, and I appreciate you uh, texting me just whenever you can. But you guys have a great night, and I look forward to talking to you guys soon, okay? Appreciate well, No you. doubt. Thank you, man. You He's doing a lot better than me. It takes me like a few hours to hear back from Drew. Let me change my name to Bubble. Yeah, anyway, I was going to uh, say the same thing. <laughs> Hey, I guess if he knows it, he figures you just wait. 
Hey, thank you, Bubba, for that call. That was very nice, and I, I kind of thought that was the uh, same Bubba that had complimented us for coming back on the air earlier today on Twitter. Appreciate hearing from him, and uh, appreciate hearing from all our listeners. As a matter of fact, I got a funny feeling that one of our regular callers will be uh, joining us here in a few minutes unless he's taking a nap or something. And I have a funny feeling I know what he's going to ask Drew, but I'm not going to know that. Drew, uh, we're going to have a call at, at 8 o'clock tonight from Roger Myers, super fan of the Alabama baseball team, and actually he writes about him a little bit on Alabama Roll. Uh, but Roger's been at the tournament all week. Uh, Alabama may have gotten screwed on a call at home yesterday. It was very close. The guy was real safe on a great throw by Casey Houston, an A&M runner. Uh, but regardless of that, they, after beating Ole Miss uh, Tuesday and, and losing by one yesterday in a very tough game, they showed a little gumption today and came back in one forty-three over Missouri to stay alive. Uh, they've now got 32 victories uh, to go against 27 defeats. At this point, Drew, most people do not think they will make a regional uh, some people, a lot of people, think they have to win the tournament. I don't agree with that because uh, their RPI is in the 40s, and they do have the number four strength of schedule. But I think they probably do have to win about, uh, let's say, two more games to feel good about it. Well, yeah, they, they're going to have to get to the weekend, and that's going to be tough now. They get a chance to play the Vanderbilt Commodores, who just lost to the Texas A&M Aggies 6-1. to one. Carson Fulmer had his head knocked off and uh, had his worst outing of the year. Uh, the A&M bats were alive so at 3 o'clock tomorrow and at the Hoover Met, it'll be Vanderbilt and Alabama uh, for a chance for the Tide to get to the semifinals. And if you get there, it's wide open. It's single elimination. Uh, you're 18 innings from winning the tournament. It's going to be tough. Uh, obviously, Will Carter is going to start for the Tide. He threw very, very well out of the bullpen for five innings against Mercer, shut them down, did a good job against Vanderbilt out of the bullpen this past weekend. Uh, we'll see how what he can do as a starter. Has great stuff. Was expected to be Alabama Saturday guy and, and struggled with his command. He did hit the bull one time in Huntsville, but uh, he was able to harness it for the most part and, uh, and and throw very hard. I thought he was throwing in low 90s. Had good stuff, good breaking stuff. And it was good today to see Will Haney get a hold of another one. Uh, he has light tower power. Had a disagreement with someone on another website last night who claimed he doesn't have much power and doesn't have much. It hasn't shown much, for, uh, you know, power production. When you have eight home runs with those bats in the SEC, that that uh, I completely disagree. Now he hasn't made enough contact, uh, obviously, but he leads Alabama in home runs and RBIs in the SEC. He swung the bat much better in the last month. Uh, obviously, his his average is only at 200. But he's gotten some big hits. He got a big hit that would have tied the game against A&M. But um, poor base running and more poor coaching from Andy Phillips kind of did that in. But, uh, again, Alabama had their chances. I thought the plate to plate was close. I, it could have gone either way. I think he was probably out. But, again, they didn't get another – They didn't they, after the third inning, they got two hits. And they were both in the ninth inning. You've got to keep adding. You've got to keep scoring. They could have been up five to nothing in that game. Didn't do a very good job at times situational hitting, but they did compete really well. You know, I thought uh, Tompkins did a good job. The bullpen did a good job. Castillo and Burrow, and they gave themselves an opportunity. Just couldn't uh, get it done, but they did show a lot of grit today. Uh, coming back down 3-1 to Missouri. Big hit from Cody Henry. Tied up, and then you had the big home run from Haney, and then uh, Burrows and, and Jay Shaw were nails. 
And they're doing this without Chance Benson, who was injured down in yeah. Auburn uh, in, in a collision with a teammate going after Clive Baldwin. At the very best, he might be able to come back for a regional. He's got a, a he separated his shoulder. I don't even know if that's realistic. Even if they make a regional, I, I saw him being interviewed on TV uh, earlier in the week with George Salem, George's father. And then they, they so funny the next day they interviewed Paige. So it's been a big week for George's family on Fox Six this morning show. Uh, but uh, he had a very uh, seriously bandaged and taped up and, and in a sling and all that with the shoulder and. Uh, I, I don't foresee him coming back. Something I wanted to talk about, Drew, since we hadn't had a show in a few weeks, was the grit that was shown by Alabama when they went down to Auburn in baseball and swept all three games. That was a big deal. Uh, it, it saved their butts as far as having a chance to qualify for the SEC tournament. It would have been a complete embarrassment to have not qualified for the tournament in the stadium you played in all year, the Hoover Met. But further, Drew, not only did they sweep them, but they beat the hell out of them on the Sunday game, 14-4, to 4, and I was driving home from my mom, and I actually heard these words come out of Rod Bramblett's mouth on the radio in Opelika when I was driving through there on the way home. And he said, and I quote, fans, Alabama took Auburn to the woodshed today. Now, through the years, he's made a lot of woodshed jokes about the Iron Bowl football games, but he said it about Auburn baseball that day. And here's what stands out about that 14-4 to 4 butt clipping that Alabama laid on him. It occurred after a profanity-laced tirade near the Alabama dugout from Auburn head coach Sonny Galloway, uh, who was upset, we've come to learn, that Alabama wanted to use the indoor batting cages before the game, and Auburn apparently doesn't allow visiting teams to do that. I don't know what the SEC policy on that is. I'm not smart enough to know that. But Alabama apparently had a student manager get into a verbal altercation with an Auburn student manager, and this got back to Galloway, so he comes over to the Alabama dugout before the final game of the series, already having lost two now in his own house, and, you know, unleashes on them, and, of course, they unleash back. They got Gaspard. Gaspard's from Louisiana. You know those guys can cuss. So they, they get after it, and then the game starts, and Alabama beats that ass 14-4. to Today, Auburn was eliminated by Florida, but Auburn has done enough to get, uh, like, a three seed in the regional on the road. But I just thought we needed to, A, salute Alabama for having the grit going and sweep them, and, B, talk about how funny it was that the worst beating of the series, those two games were very close, the 14-4 to game came after Galloway shot his mouth off with much profanity in front of the Alabama dugout. So, you know, it's just really funny the things that go on between Alabama and Auburn in sports groups. It is, but it was completely bush league by uh, Galloway. I mean, everybody knows the gentleman's agreement to let both both schools uh, use the cages. If Auburn had been playing very well at that point, won three series in a row, if they had handled Alabama like everybody thought, I'm sure the cages would have been wide open. He's trying to fire his team up and manufacture a controversy, and then all it did was fire Alabama up and get him even further embarrassed and have Philip Marshall utter the word, which is the worst baseball weekend considering the state that I can ever remember in Auburn. And uh, I thought that was the, the sweetest uh, thing I heard all weekend. And uh, uh, it's always good to, to beat those guys at anything, but especially in their park when everybody thought that Auburn was going to either win two out of three or sweep themselves. And, you know, to be honest, Mitch Gaspar's job, in my opinion, was in peril. I know there's been a lot of people saying he was going to be back regardless, but if Auburn sweeps that rear end, trust me, uh, we've all seen 
what can happen to a coach at Alabama when they don't handle their rival. But they handled their rival, did a very, very good job. Uh, then they played Bandy very, very tough. Uh, they lost two tough games. Uh, if, you know, if Gilbo hadn't had a little bit of wildness in one inning, he might have beat Carson Fulmer. And then they lost a 7-5 game then came back and won a one nothing game. So it's going to be very interesting. They've played pretty good baseball in Hoover for the SEC tournament. And now they have a chance to get themselves to the weekend and still stay in the, the conversation for an at-large berth in the SEC tournament and give themselves a chance to win the tournament. You just want to get to the weekend, see what happens. Uh, they, they're they obviously, uh, especially after tomorrow, from a starting pitching perspective, Nick Eichel has not thrown, but they'll probably be, you know, getting down toward the end with the starting pitching. But you never know when guys are going to step up. Hopefully Will Carter can throw well tomorrow against a talented Bandy team. And uh, they're going to face, I think, Bandy's number two, Bueller, I think. He's a very good pitcher, but – you never know. Today, Carson Fulmer was guaranteed to win by the experts, and he just got ripped. So, Vandy uh, is already uh, going to be a number one seed and host a regional. They could still be in the discussion for a host seed, but of course, I mean a national seed. But Texas A&M took some of that thunder, but and Florida still being alive as well. So we will see. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight uh, when the Arkansas gets ready to take the field. Uh, Razorbacks beating the Gators last night. Said a word, could have said all he has to do is come out and say, I can't wait to get out in the fall at Ohio State. Has not said a word. 
done, made a lot of changes to his Instagram account and uh, some, something something called Tumblr. I don't even know what the hell that is. And then he's also changed his Twitter account a little bit. He does have, as of yesterday and earlier today, a picture up holding an Ohio State football, but you can barely see the logo. He's not wearing anything Ohio State. There's nothing Ohio State on his feed. He changed that a few days ago. We will see. Uh, I still think uh, I was told that he, a very good friend of his that uh, everybody's familiar with thought Sunday he was still coming. Uh, I still believe he will come to Alabama. I'm going to stick with my guns. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world. I keep telling, I keep hearing people say, well, he's going to move to H back or wide receiver so he can get drafted. He's never played the position. He didn't go through spring ball and play the position. He would have one fall practice to try to learn the position. He's been a quarterback his whole life. Uh, Alabama needs a quarterback. They're a very talented roster. It's the last piece. Uh, obviously, he's played with those Ohio State guys, but Urban Meyer is trying to be a snake oil salesman. He's now trying to tell him he's going to try to help him still get to the NFL. Two years ago, he told the young man, he's the best quarterback I've ever coached. You're the best I've ever had. That's counting Tim Tebow. Now he gets hurt one time and all of a sudden can't get his position back from J.T. Barrett and Cardell Jones. I'll just say it. Everybody knows what Urban Meyer's full of, okay? He left all Florida's program in the crap hole. And he, and he yeah. failed at Nick Saban. He said family time. Any therapy. Uh, all he needed was to uh, to massage his own ego because he got his butt handed to him. Let's not get it twisted. <laughs> he got Nick Saban in one goal with Ohio State. I'll take my chances in a rematch with Mr. Meyer. We all saw how that went a few years ago. You better get him some nerve medication and plays Alabama again. That's all I'm going to say about it. And uh, I just think we'll see uh, with Jackson yeah. Miller, but. I still think there's a there's a pretty good chance he's going to end up in best release. Big C, let me piggyback on what Drew said because uh, this week I was able to go to a luncheon. It only attended by a few, <laughs> 20 people. But the speaker at the luncheon, I won't give his name because he didn't want it put out, but it's a guy that covers Alabama for a living. And a guy that's usually pretty skeptical. He's a younger guy, but he's still kind of skeptical about things. And so I phrased the question this way, Big C. I said, blank name, was there ever really anything to the Braxton Miller rumors? Now, I knew there was, but I wanted to see how he reacted to that question. This gentleman that covers Alabama full-time, he's around them more than me or Drew, either one of He's around them almost every day. He looked me in the eye and said, I don't think it's over yet. And when this guy told me that, this skeptical young journalist told me, I don't think it's over yet, and that he had talked to a player not the person that Drew was referencing, Trey Priest. If the Trey Priest has been friends with Blackson for many years, because they grew up together in Ohio, he talked to another player that this recently uh, used up his eligibility, and that person led this writer to believe that Alabama's team thinks that Braxton is coming. And he had talked to him about a week or two ago. So I don't think, and, and maybe Drew agrees with this, I don't think we're going to have a firm answer on it for almost a week. Uh, I know school starts back on Tuesday of next week. I don't necessarily know that he'll be there for the first day, but I get the gut feeling that because Braxton's not saying anything and because he has took some Ohio State stuff off some of his social media accounts, I, I just get the feeling that it's it's still in play and, and it's not over yet. 
uh, I, I know that some people have taken Urban Meyer and saying that he's come back, and then the, the six-month-old information from the athletic director is saying he's coming back as being gospel. I got a guy at work telling me, oh, I guess I got put to bed, and I told him, I don't think he's put to bed yet. Can you read? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> they read something from Urban Meyer or the AD, and they think it's the gospel. Uh, and they call him Urban Liar for a reason. Uh, All I'll say is read it. When it says it's six months old, get a clue. And that's yeah. Next question. There's a four spring training. They have this conversation, and he says, "Yeah, whoever the AD is, I'm coming back." I don't know, Big C. I I still think it's up in the air. I I don't want to give it odds, but it, I think it's at least fifty fifty that he's going to be yeah. Alabama. Now, that's probably the cop out answer. I might even go as high as sixty forty that he's coming. And Drew may think it's higher than that, but. Uh, I think next week we'll know one way or the other. I, I'll say that. I don't, Drew, I don't think he would wait for the second summer term unless there was a series. No, no, no. Uh, he's going to come hey. in first. And I, this this timeline is still working out for me. I did not think anything would happen until the 20th or after. And so I've been fine with it. I know a lot of people have jumped off river bridges and just said it was not going to happen. And, and that some, uh, I'll just go ahead and say it, some morons have even said that it was never under consideration and he never thought about coming here, including some clown that writes for the Bama Hammer, who, uh, if, 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 if Braxton Miller does come to Alabama, if the kid tried to write something about Braxton Miller, I would immediately tweet at him and say, please shut up and, and never write another story because you're not credible. Uh, you have no sources and you have no right to write this because uh, your football IQ doesn't register on a scale. But anyway, I mean, it's just, <laughs> you read some of this stuff, and and even by some people that I've I've known for a long time, that are, are it, it, they're fans, but you read some of their logic and you wonder uh, what Kool Aid they're drinking. But uh, it just, and I won't mention those names, but still, it's just amazing. And you know, he may not end up at Alabama, but and then so this this clown from the Bama Hammer may be right, but I mean to say. That he was never really serious, and he's not coming to Florida State, Alabama, or or LSU, and he really never was. I mean, that's just. I mean, come on, man. You have no sources. You have no football IQ. I mean, anybody that even and people that come on and say that even if he did, he would sit the bench. I mean, I just got you know. I can tell you right now that the Alabama coaching staff hopes that he ends up at Alabama. And that he would he would not be sitting the bench if he were healthy in a crimson tide uniform. There is not going to be a magic wand save Jake Coker, and that's all I'll say. Mm. Wow, that was a lot, that last comment was pretty strong. So uh, now I I tell you what's interesting today. I was listening to a sports show on XM Radio and Jerry, you know, Toretta was talking about him and and the way Hayes was talking about Coker, he said that saying like the way Hayes talking about like he wants to throw the ball a long way all the time instead of trying to be a manager and I think that's what they're wanting to try to get out of. I don't know what does that sound right to y'all what I'm saying there with Coker well, that they here's my say? equation of Coker Big C. He's a smart kid. He has a degree from Florida State. I'm sure he's going to get a master's from Alabama. It has nothing to do with his intelligence. He knows the offense. He just, from a football perspective and instincts perspective, he's not good enough. He has slow eyes. He's got mechanical issues. He's big and strong. He's got natural physical talent. 
but they don't trust his football instincts, and and he has accuracy issues and decision making issues, and that is not coachable. You can't fix it. It's something you either have or you don't. He had a golden opportunity to beat out Blake Sim. Everybody loves Blake for what he accomplished. If anybody thinks Jay Coker was brought in to sit behind Blake Sim, I have swamp lands in Arizona to give you. Couldn't beat him out. And now in the spring, with a golden opportunity to take the bull by the horns, he puked. He didn't win the job. David Cornwell and Blake Barnett showed a lot of talent, but they're not ready. But, again, he could not beat out a redshirt freshman, clearly, and a true freshman that should be going to the prom. That's all you need to know. He did not have the uh, enough, you know, ability to execute the offense and take control of it. Everybody seems to think you can wave a magic wand and in four months he'll figure it out. I doubt that's the case. I think the two freshmen can get better, but I think uh, when you have Cooper Bateman practicing at receiver some, that answers all your questions about Cooper as a quarterback. And Alec Morris, he's had three years, and he was a backup punter last year. Next question, and it's why Doug Nutzmeyer is on his third job in three years. Mm. That says a lot there, so I'm going to say on that, wow. Yeah, you got any other questions tonight? Um, well, let me ask you this. Say if Miller don't come, you think Miller, I mean, um, Cornwell will be the start of the first game, if, that, if that's the case, or what do y'all think? Uh, I, I think, that, I think, I think that, that could happen. Game, but I think Cornwell could beat him out by midseason. I think I think it could happen, but yeah, I think by the some point in the year, it would probably be David Cornwell. And I think if Al, if but. I'm going to be blunt with the Alabama nation. You know, whoever's listening to this is probably not going to like it very much. But if if uh, Braxton Miller is not at Alabama, they're going nine and three, and they're not going. They're not winning the SEC or going to the playoff. Period. I don't care how good the defense is. I don't care. You can give Derrick Henry the ball 35 times. That ain't it. You've got to be able to throw the ball. You got to be able to take advantage of playmakers. You got to be able to get the ball to OJ, Chris Black. You got to be able to get the ball to uh, Ardarius Stewart and Robert Foster, and he won't be able to consistently do it. And you'll have a young quarterback who's never played, which will lead to mistakes. You're going to have to win low-scoring games, and in this kind of climate of football, you got to be able to score points. And to me, Braxton Miller is the answer to that question. If anybody thinks otherwise, that's their opinion. But I just really think Alabama, if they want to reach their goals, win a national championship, but also first win the SEC and then get to the playoff with an opportunity to compete for a title and get a rematch with Ohio State, you need to get Braxton Miller. Uh, otherwise, it's not going to happen. And now Everett Goldson is off the table going to Florida State. Well, I don't know what else to ask y'all. That's pretty interesting stuff, what y'all talking there. And I understand what yeah, you're it, I mean, I, I just you have to be honest with people. And they've got a great punter. Got a great defense. I think uh, the kicker Adam Griffin is going to be improved. I think uh, they've got an offensive line that's got a chance to be pretty good. Uh, I think they've still they don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver right now. And I'll tell you this: Cameron Sims' knee injury was I was told today was Dante Hightower esque. So it's going to take 18 months, which means he probably won't be right until he's a redshirt sophomore, or excuse me, I guess you'd say a redshirt junior. Pardon me, because he played last year, but. 
he's not going to be right for probably two years. And so, and he was, uh, I was told today by someone that spoke to a coach this past weekend that he was our best wide receiver going into the spring. And they had really, really high expectations for him, but then the injury happened. So now Calvin Ridley has become even more important. So they need him to come in and learn and ball, as uh, the new term is. He needs to come in and, and make an impact, be a, another Amari Cooper, and we'll see if he can be. But I think Alabama, if they can find an inline tight end, Dakota Ball has made the progress he's made. I think he's made. And if they get the, the Mel Tucker continues to work wonders with the secondary, I think they can be a very good football team, but you've got to have a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you're Nick Saban, LSU, 2002. Mm. And we all know what Alabama did to them in Baton Rouge. Yeah, they got beat on pretty bad that night. I remember that. 31 to nothing. That's right. Boy, they got us the next year, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Well, all right, Big Steve. Hey, thank you. I enjoyed it as always. And, um, I'll be talking to y'all next week. Then. Yes, all sir. Right, we'll Looking forward to it, my have, man. Have a good thank trip. y'all. Tell that little lady we said hey. Oh, yeah. Thank you, my man. Be safe. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Big C, uh, not having his show tomorrow uh, because he's heading out to uh, see his little sweetie out there in uh, Texas, Arkansas border. So, roll Tide to Big C and safe journeys. And I always look forward to the call. I ain't going to lie. I planted that question with him about Miller because I wanted to hear the latest. So, uh, and I did ask someone about it at lunch, uh, one of the writers that covered me. And he looked me in the eye and said, I don't think it's over yet. I thought, hmm, because he would hear things that I would not hear. So, like, I, you know, I'm not giving up on it yet. We'll see what happens. I really think we'll know by Tuesday or Wednesday next week at the latest, maybe even a little bit before that. So, we'll see how that goes. Now, turning over to uh, a sport we we have not addressed yet tonight, but we like to talk about it every week, and that's men's basketball. Uh, both Drew and I are both thrilled with the way the program is getting promoted with Coach Johnson going all over the place, doing all kinds of interviews, TV, radio, print, internet, whatever. He does it, plays in the region, golf tournament. Uh, hey, I, got a, I, got a, I hate to interrupt you, but i got to, I got to tell a story about that because we're talking about promoting. Last week, and this, is, this is, shows you what a different world it is right now, because Avery Johnson's team camps are coming up uh, in June, he called my radio station to come on the show. That's cool. So that shows you he's taking this very seriously. Uh, I think you probably saw it on Twitter. He put out the word. He's inviting teams to come up. Yeah. And uh, he's being very, very aggressive. And uh, it's good to see. And it's going to be completely different in Alabama basketball. The only bad news of the day, did not get James White. Arkansas Little Rock forward goes back home to play at Tech. And him alongside Nick Jacobs, Tech could be unstoppable this year. Good um, grief. Yeah, anyway. So, hey, no, I, I, I thought Alabama had a great chance. I thought Alabama didn't get him. He'd go to Georgia. But he yes. didn't. He went, he went to Tech, so he's going to play in the ACC. So, you know, Alabama is still a big man short in this class. And I know that we keep hearing that Willie Clock is a backup and uh, listening to several other people, but at, at some point you've got to bring in a, a post, I think, in this class. I know Avery's been saying he wants a power forward in this class, and it's sort of running out of options, Drew. Are, are, are you even aware of any other names? Not exactly. Um, 
you know, the, the, there still is the young man that got released, Noah Dickerson from Florida. Right. Uh, we will see what happens with that. Uh, he's someone Grant was involved with at one time. Uh, we'll see if that way still has any inroads with him. And then the one to watch, he's been on a visit, and I was told today that the package deal uh, is, is legit, that uh, an Alabama assistant coach wants his brother, and that I think there's a very good chance that Kobe Eubanks and Nick Eubanks are going to on the capstone. Kobe being a basketball guard. Six five guard, yes. yes. Two guard, Nick being a tight end. I hope to God he's an inline tight end, but he's a tight end. got weight, Terry. They don't yeah. go on through. Don't they all? Don't they all, you know? But, hey, keep, but hey don't forget about Daryl Middleton now. From Oak Ridge, Tennessee, I still think he could be that guy. He's a beast. Uh, a good friend of the show, Leah Breakfast Barger, thinks he's a five-star. And uh, John Garcia, he's a good friend of the show as well, thinks he's leaning to Alabama. And uh, his, his head coach, is uh, Joe Gaddis, who is in his second tenure, who gave Alabama Sean Bohan and Jason McAdley back in the day, and who spent two years at Austin High School, but he's back at Oak Ridge. And, uh, he's an Alabama guy. I think Alabama has a very good chance to get Middleton. And, you know, keeping on the topic of uh, football recruiting, I know we're, we're jumping around a lot, but uh, there's a pretty important announcement uh, today, uh, tomorrow rather, tomorrow from a guy named after uh, an Avenger. Uh, Drew, what can you tell us about the man they call Hulk? He will commit to Alabama after his spring game tomorrow night, approximately around 9 p.m., uh, that's when he's slated to make the announcement uh, after their uh, after Kinlan's spring game, and he is a beast. Uh, he's anywhere six four, anywhere from three sixty to three eighty, and he's got ten percent body fat. Kentrell Jones, I believe is the name. Kentrell Jones, yes, or no, Kendall Jones. You're saying Kendall? Oh, Kendall. Kendall Jones. L L, right? Kendall Jones. A L L. Kendall Jones. Oh, that's and, and he's uh, he, he's a beast. He's somebody that I, his film's unbelievable. I put up a vine of him last night, and uh, coming in a seven-on-seven seven situation, coming off the ball, and for someone to have the kind of body fat he has and to be that size is illegal. And uh, he's someone that I think out is a huge piece. And ever since he visited Alabama for the first time uh, with Nick Saban in the fray, um, he. he uh, when he saw when he saw the young guy, and I think he was at 381 at that time. Uh, Nick Saban, and excuse me, it is ELL carry. My 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 apologies. But as soon as Nick Saban saw the young guy, he basically Saban always has two or three kids he falls in love with um, that he that he falls in love with every year. And uh, Kendall Jones was one of those guys, and he he's basically been personally recruiting him. And I just think he's the top nose guard on the board. And uh, and I know this, Bo Davis is very, very excited about the future with Kendall Jones, who they think is going to probably commit tomorrow, and Daron Payne, who recently had to have a floating bone removed in his foot but should be okay for the fall. Is Jones that nose guard that's athletic enough to stay in the game on third down? Yes, yes. He can play either. John Garcia thinks he can play the three and five. That's huge. And I, uh, and like I say, John is someone that I trust with his evaluations. Right. And I have more news from John. Uh, he, 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 as everybody probably saw on Twitter and on their on the website, if, if you're a member, but uh, at BamaMag.com, he shot every rep uh, last Thursday of Deontay Brown of Austin High School uh, when they played Sparkman High over at Sparkman in their jamboree. 
And I know Mario Cristobal was in attendance, and the term used to describe the impact that Deontay Brown could have in the future as an offensive guard once he loses 30 pounds is Andre Smith. He had eight pancakes. Yes, he had eight pancakes in the first quarter, and he wasn't eating them. He was destroying people, throwing them around like rag dolls. And uh, he's he's got a lot of potential. Uh, he needs to do some academic work, but it's doable. And uh, he's a great kid, and he's somebody that I think Alabama jumped on early, and it's a good thing because he's uh, he's got he can be a dominant offensive guard. And I'm, I'm glad that you called the name Andre Smith. I, I know that Andre was a tackle at Alabama, but when you talk Andre Smith, you talk about one of the best linemen ever come through there. Uh, but here's the thing, Drew. The reason that it caught me a little off guard when you said that John compared him to Andre Smith is because it seems like for like the last three years that every time Alabama signs a good guard, he's the next chance Wormack. So if you yeah. say Andre Smith, it breaks a streak, and I'm kind of happy that, that we've got somebody else to compare this guy to. And I tell you what, I watched Andre Smith play in high school, and fun. <laughs> you talk about dominating. Well, I mean, that's not the guy you want to be across the line of scrimmage on a Friday night. So, uh, he's he's you know, starting tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals now for a reason. Uh, finally gotten his weight under control and yeah, matured a lot and uh, always was a good kid, but there's done some growing up. But I'll tell you what, the ability, the actual footwork and the leverage and use of the hands, all that kind of stuff, there was never a doubt in my mind Andre Smith was going to be a stud at Alabama. Oh, he was. Yeah, he had great feet, great power. Uh, you know, he, he finished blocks and played through the whistle and Deontay does the same type things and plays with a nasty streak. And the only thing Andre had trouble doing, as you said, was controlling his weight. Other than that, he was dominant. He won the everybody, you know, he won the Allen Trophy. I mean, he was a great football player, even with the weight issues at Alabama. And he's been a very good pro. You don't stay up there that long without it. But we'll, but again, he has been very, very good, very, very solid. And uh, he's, I still think he may not get re-signed by the Bengals, but he'll get he'll get uh, big money and he'll play over 10 years in the league if he can stay healthy. But he already got six. So, yes. He's got a pension. So, uh, yes. yeah, I mean, he's set. He's, uh, yeah, I'm happy for Andre. Uh, the Bengals are – I tell you, the Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens love them some Alabama players. Well, yeah, they do. And, and the thing about uh, the young guy uh, – that, uh, that Deontay Brown, he's 6'4", 346 pounds, but much like Gray, he has great feet. And it's hard to believe he can move like that. And if they can get him to 310 or 315, he should be held on wheels. With the film, he, just, he looks like a steal. And, and I, I guess the most rewarding part about it is it's an in-state guy. Uh, yes. And a guy that, you know, when it comes down to it, going to somewhere like Alabama will mean something to him. I know it means something to everybody, but if you grew up here, it means more. And I like the fact that he was discovered early, uh, before the uh, other HSC team in the state found out about him, I guess. Uh, now, here's a few. Now, here's a one that comparison. Uh, not on how he played, but Mark Rick was way late on his evaluation with Chance Wormack, and it, and it cost him. And uh, he, he, he lost basically what amounted to an All-American guard. Well, maybe – Maybe Google Malzahn was a little late on his evaluation of this young man. I don't know. But I, I know that Alabama jumped in there and got him and got him early, and he's done nothing but prove Alabama right. And I didn't even realize Cristobal had been in his spring game. I'm really glad that you brought that up, dude. Well, yes, and 
I've got more news on the offensive line. Uh, Willie Allen is down the down the charts and will not be at Alabama. Is all I'll say. He's not. There's a other prospects that are higher on the board. I know for a lot of people right now they think they may they may be thinking what, but that is the the latest. Um, he's not uh, near the top of Alabama's board. Watch Juwan Williams from. Uh, Washington, D.C. Alabama's in very, very good shape with him. Loves him as a player. And then they are going to get a visit from a freak of nature from the old high school of Alec Morris, Allen, Texas. His name is Greg Little. Oh, yeah. Most project him as the number one OT in the country. He's been committed to A&M for a long time. But he and his parents, I think, realized that they may have done it a little bit too soon. Nick Saban had a video conference with him this week. They're going to bring him in for June, June for either the, uh, the first elite camp or the OLDL camp. So they're going to give their best shot. And if they don't get Mr. Little, don't be surprised. Uh, with the, in addition to Williams, they take not one, but two junior college offensive tackles. Depending on how a certain workout goes during the first elite camp from a young man from Utah named Garrett Bowles, who is the number one junior college offensive tackle on their board, number two, is a young man from Asa College, the same as Leon Brown, uh, Charles Baldwin. And number three is Tate Levitt. Like all three guys, don't be surprised if they take two of them. Uh, and they don't think it's going to affect their high school recruiting of Austin Troxel and Kendall Randolph next year because they think, honestly, that Bowles and Baldwin could be one and done. They're that good, huh? Yes, that is what I was told today. Is either one of those guys a true left tackle? Baldwin is a very, very good pass blocker, needs to get more physical. But I've been told Garrett Bowles is the real McCoy and is probably the best in the, in the country on the junior college circuit. They could both play either side. Bowles, if they got them both, Bowles would likely be the, would be the right tackle to take over for Cam after a year. And then Baldwin would be worked into the mix as well. But, and he could even play guard. But, again, and I was also told today uh, – it's sad, and I, it's what I expected, really. But from my neck of the woods, I uh, saw this young man play his entire career. But do not expect Grant Hill to play another down of football at the University of Alabama. Yeah, it's a very unfortunate situation that we cannot go into details about. But it's sad. Just, uh, you know, if you're a playing person, pray for Pray for the young man, yes. Yep, I, I strongly advise that. Uh, we can't go into any more detail. Uh, I will say this before we take a break. Uh, the last time that Alabama started a junior college player uh, at left tackle, he left with two national championship rings. Now plays for Seattle Seahawks, James Carpenter. So don't get up at arms if Alabama has to use a GCO at left tackle. Nick Saban's got an issue of doing it and doing it successfully. Yes, and I will make one small correction. It was one championship. But he, he did start in 09, and uh, he started in 2010, and he just signed a big money contract with the World Jets. Okay, one championship. Okay. But still. But he was very, very good. He got a ring. And, uh, yes. so now he already got a Super Bowl ring with the Seahawks, and he almost got another one if the coach wasn't a moron and didn't try to throw the ball on the one-yard line and you have the beast, then he would probably have to. But that's why Pete Carroll Pete Carroll and Nick Saban Nick Saban, and that's all I'll say about that. Hey, and the highest-ranked Alabama player uh, in the NFL on a, on a recent poll, Dante Hightower, made the play on, on the – before that, or when he made a discussion, he made the oh, biggest absolutely. tackle of the year for the Patriots, maybe one of the biggest tackles in the history of the franchise. So 
and he did it with a bad shoulder. He did. He did. Showed a lot of heart. And uh, with that note, uh, we are going to go ahead and take our one and only break of the evening. We'll return in just a few minutes because we do have a guest coming on at 8 o'clock, Roger Myers, to talk about Alabama baseball. But for now, we're going to take a break. You're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMS Sports Radio family. Talking about the football, basketball, recruiting, talking about the Braxton Miller situation, 
talking about Alabama baseball, talking about Alabama softball. We're uh, going to be talking a little bit more about Alabama baseball here in just a few minutes. And then at the bottom of this hour, uh, 8.30ish, we're going to hear from Brandon Austin, Alabama basketball signee from Carver Montgomery. That should be fun. And then before we close out the show tonight, perhaps around the quarter till or ten till, Thomas Watts rants about satellite camps. That should be fun. So uh, we're going to have a fun second hour, just like we did the first hour. I am your co-host, Terry Clark of BamaMag.com. Joined as always by Drew DeArmond of ESPN 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville and Thomas Watts of the new improved to touchdown Alabama magazine. Drew, anything else before we get back to baseball that you want to add about football recruiting? Well, I'll just say um, that the board at the wide receiver is kind of they 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 don't like the depth. Don't be shocked if they take four. They've already taken T.J. Simmons. They really like Trayvon Diggs. They really like uh, Darnell Solomon, but there are some issues academically with Diggs. And Solomon's had an issue off the field, so they could have to go to Michael Jones. You could watch this Dwayne kid. I can pronounce his last name from Sanchez, Texas. He's coming in. There's a lot of wide receivers they're in on. And also watch the name Keith Gavin. He's committed to Florida State along with a, a big-time BN named Denarius Robinson. And don't be surprised in another week or two when the elite camp comes around if they're no longer committed to Florida State. And that's Why all. are we not hearing as much as we were before about Kevin Ridley? Uh, he will not be offered, but he will not be he will not be recruited by Alabama. As far as he, or I should say, he will not be in the signing class. Okay, well there you have it. All right, we're going to turn back to Alabama baseball. Uh, they uh, rallied for a four to three win to stay alive in the SEC tournament today, as they sent Missouri packing. The top five seeds and the number eleven seeds, which is Alabama, are all that's left in Hoover. I want to bring on Alabama baseball super fan, baseball writer for the Alabama Roll and Grand Slam member booster Roger Myers, who I'm sure has been at the Met all week. Roger, how are you doing tonight, Ben? Doing great. How are y'all? Thanks for having me on. Doing well, Roger. Time. Playing on the radio, man. Roger, you've uh, you've been observing Alabama baseball for many, many years, all of this year in their home away from home, and all of this week at the Hoover Met. Uh, they got victory number 32 tonight, for this afternoon, this morning. Showed a lot of grit getting it. Uh, but apparently, Roger, they've got a little bit more work to do if they want to make a regional. Yeah, that's, I feel like they do, too. Um, they need to keep winning and need to um, hope for no upsets in any, any other conference tournaments. Um, you know, need the, need the top seeds to be winning because we don't need – Bama doesn't need somebody, some uh, sixth-place team out of the – whatever conference to come up and win a tournament and steal a bid that, that they wouldn't get otherwise. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I feel like uh, that pretty much put Missouri, should put Missouri out. Um, it may, may well. I agree, Roger. I, there's I mean, been a lot of people they saying a, they were in, but I don't right. think so. I mean, they don't, their overall record, I know they won, I think they were 15 and 15 in the conference, but yes, uh, now they're 16 and 17, I guess. So they won one and lost two this weekend, this week. So 30 to 30 to 20, 30 and 28 overall. 
Right. And, you know, so Bama's 32 and 27, so – and they won two out of four with Missouri, and they won two out of four with Ole Miss. People seem to think Ole Miss is in, and their their record's very similar to Bama's too, other than a few more – a couple more um, conference wins. Kentucky, I think, has a good RPI and maybe strength of schedule, but, I mean, their overall record, I, don't, I can't see them being one that gets in, so – um, you know that Bama could could mess around and steal a spot, but I think I think they definitely have to win tomorrow and and possibly even Saturday to um, right to be really in the conversation. The RPI is really good. I think it's in the low forties now. Or do you guys have one that was yeah. like forty three? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and they're thirty. You said thirty two twenty seven. So I think I agree with you. I think they need to beat Bandy. That would be a huge win. Uh, over a very good team that may not, I don't think Vandy's going to be a national seed necessarily if they right. lose to Alabama, but they, they're going to be a yeah. one seed and, and the defending national champs. And if they could find a way in a one-shot situation to win the semifinal and get to Sunday, I would say yeah. then they had a, they'd have a, they were in the conversation and had a really I'd say even a good shot at getting right. in, considering that right. they'd gotten all the way to Saturday or all the way to Sunday to the end. But you're right, I think they're going to have to win at least two more games because. But some of the things that happened during the regular season, such as the Arkansas sweep. So I think they're going to have to. But I think they're playing good fundamental baseball. They could have easily pulled out the A&M game. I didn't think they hit really well situationally in that game, but especially yeah, in the middle innings. But, yeah, they, they right. needed to pick it up a little bit. But I think the pitching staff has performed pretty well. It has. It has. It's just they're going to start running out of arms pretty soon. But, yeah, yeah. speaking of the situational hitting, the, the point – uh, we had scored, had scored three and had second and third with no outs. And um, next two batters struck out with that. I mean, all they had to do was put the ball in play. Yeah, you know, exactly. Run with, run with a score. I mean, the infield was playing back. So a ground ball to second baseman, a fly ball. You know, you got your you got your third run in the inning. And by the time they got their fly ball, there was already two outs and strikeouts. So, they um that and that's been a the the strikeout and the and the poor situational hitting had been a had been a uh black eye on the you know, on the team all year. Uh lack of walks and too many strikeouts and and like I say right there, just you know, just give me a ground ball <laughs> and we gotta run. <laughs> but um yeah. you know, weren't able to make contact, so that's, well, uh, I will say the one, the one, the guy that I've been happy for. I, I saw the game in Huntsville, and he had two hits that night, and I thought he did a very good job behind the play. But I know his average still isn't great. But Will Haney had a really good series against Auburn, got some big hits, mm-hmm. and then he he delivered a, a huge hit against A and M. Got the guy thrown out to play, but that's not his fault. I mean, right. he came, he came through, and then today right. he hits a moonshot uh, when oh, they yeah. have to have it. And then uh, it's done a good job, as Coach Gaspard talked about it after the game. I was reading the, the game notes, and they've let Haney take over the pitching staff pretty much and call the game. And so he seems to be really uh, getting comfortable back there. Right, yeah. I think after the A&M series uh, earlier, uh, at some point, uh, he started, they started letting um, Will call the games. And um, and it seems like, you know, the, the pitching has been – play's been better and the pitching's been better too. Um they're what nine and 
three in their last 12 games, I think, since the Arkansas sweep. So they're playing more to the potential that they were expected to, you know, beginning of the year now. Um, it's just been a strange year with all the travel and the lack of practice facility and, you know, all the all the um, obstacles that they've had to go up against. And, but they've been, they've been right there and, you know, in – Several games and several series that that just a play here or there could have gone gone either way, and um, just to unfortunately been on the wrong end of end of the results um, more times than not. But they are really playing well now. Playing seems like they're playing real loose and and um, you know getting good pitching, a little bit better, a little better hitting, and um, good good defense. So. It's uh, it's kind of hurt them a little with um, Vincent being out hurt um, defensively and well and offensively too. Although I mean Vincent's numbers aren't great, but uh, that puts Riley Colbert in, who's a good defensive player and can run, but him you know has not has not been able to to hit um, hit real well and and not having him available as a pinch hitter or defensive replacement like the games. You know, which is which is a role he feels very well, and Vincent's uh, superior defensive first baseman puts Henry at first rather than at DH, and Will Height at DH rather than in left field, um, where the defense is not, you know, not a big issue there, and he's got a strong arm out in the outfield, but it's just kind of made a little logistical differences uh, with the uh, defensive play and. Um, moving over street to third and even to second has actually, you know, has worked out. Of course, over, over street, you know, I mean, with his hands can play play anywhere in the infield, but he's played a very, very good third base. And Avant's been, been as good as um, could be expected at second. He's done a very good job there. Um, oh, yeah, Roger. You know, I mean, nobody... I, nobody this. Can, I wish they'd made that change earlier. Pardon me. Right. Sorry. I mean, nobody can... Nobody can do what Overstreet does there, and you know, and Overstreet and Mikey's chemistry from all the years they've played together, going back to travel ball when they're ten or eleven years old, um, is um, you know, is hard to replace. But he has done a, you know, just a really, really nice job at third, um, and you know, and Avan has not hurt the team at second, which is more his natural position. You know, he was. Trying to bear playing him in left field some, and, you know he's not ever been an outfielder, so he was a little uncomfortable out there. But I mean, he did a serviceable job, but he's done very well at second. And you know, just not having Vincent. Vincent's is a very good defensive first baseman, so that's that's hurt a little bit. But um, I noticed he had his swing off today from his separated shoulder, so I don't know how, how close to being being ready he is, but. Um, that would be um, – I, I wouldn't imagine that he would be able to play this week. So possibly if they get to a regional, to regional play, he might he might be back. And unfortunately um, for the bullpen, so like Mitch Greer blew his elbow out and had oh, yeah, yeah had, Tommy John sur- had Tommy John surgery today. So oh. just and he was he was just coming into his own. He was, you know he pitched very well down the stretch and and. Um, 
you know, touching 95, 96 at times on the radar. So it hurts to lose that power arm and just the depth, you know, if, as we go further into the tournament that, that, you're gonna, that you would need to um, to continue. Roger, I wanted to ask you about a guy. We haven't mentioned him much. You did call his name a second ago, but the times we've had you on the show, we have not talked about him, and yet he's come a million miles as a true freshman. Not on defense, per se. He's no Freddie Freeman. But talk about the job hitting the ball and even the fact that he has gotten a little bit better in the field that Cody Henry has done for this team as a true freshman. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, – you know, he's the most disciplined hitter on the team. I mean, he sees right. more great pictures. He's, you know, great eye. Uh, you know, he'll have, a, he'll have six, eight, ten pitch at-bats um, uh, consistently. I mean, he um, he may get down two strikes. He'll foul one off. He'll take a couple, you know. And uh, he's done a really tremendous job at that. And let's say he has improved. He's made some scoops at first that later in the year that he was not making earlier when he was playing over there. So you know that's coming along, and um, you know that the and he's a big, powerful guy. He doesn't have any home runs yet, but he's hitting, he's hitting doubles. And from both sides of the plate, he's a switch hitter. So I mean that's that's a a big plus as well. And I think going forward, you know, in years to come, that he's gonna he's gonna get the you know home run stroke down, and uh, you know really be a power source for for the team, but he, he's come through some big hit, had a big, huge um, two-out, two-RBI single today, and uh, he's had some big ones, you know, on the on the year, and can't say enough about his plate discipline. I mean, it's just really impressive. You know, it's just almost something that's innate that you just, that you have or you don't, I guess. I mean, he he just does a good, a good job of seeing pitches and, um, and fouling off pitches that aren't, you know, aren't to his liking, and uh, think he's um, think he's going to be really, really good going forward. And that being said, I mean he's you know hitting over 280 and he's driven in 20 plus runs, so he um, you know he's already made a contribution this year. So I think he'll be a, a big part of the lineup in the next couple of years as well. No doubt, Roger, and obviously. June draft is coming up quickly, and we all know that there's a very, very good chance Mikey White and Casey Houston are going to be high draft picks and, and move on to professional baseball. Um, what about some of the other guys? I know there's been some talk about Overstreet, that he's played a bunch of different positions. I've even heard that a lot of the pro scouts like him as a catcher. Um, that's, is, yeah, that's... Is, 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 is it expected that he will move on as well? I mean, how many of these guys could come back? I know Georgie has had a much better second half of the year, and he's a very good defender. Uh, what, right. what, what are the thoughts besides Mikey and uh, obviously in uh, in Houston? Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you can you can go ahead and you can go ahead and write Mikey gone. I mean, he's you know he he will for sure. He'll be he'll be you know within the first three rounds. Uh, I would would imagine and. Being a junior, you know, it's his time to go. Casey's a little different story since he's a draft eligible sophomore, but he is mm-hmm. considered a you know top ninety ish prospect. So I mean, you're looking at the top three rounds. So you know, it'd be it'd be very hard to turn down seven hundred fifty eight hundred thousand dollars coming out. You know, you know, if he came back another year and had a huge, you know, I mean, not that he hasn't had a huge year this year, but if he hit 350 with 
10 or 12 home runs instead of 330 or six home runs. I mean, he, you know, he can vault himself up into the, into the first round with the tools that he has. I mean, he's, he's fast, strong arm, good defender, good, good average, good power. I mean, he's got all five tools. So, uh, I'm, I would say in my mind, I mean, you know, just speculation that right now he's probably over, over 50% going, you know, maybe even 75%. He's had a good tournament as well. So that with all those scouts there, I mean, he's had, had some doubles and uh, made two or three nice plays in the outfield and, you know, shed off his speed a little bit, had to throw at the plate, got the A&M runner yesterday that they called safe. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, he's done a little bit of everything, so he's probably increased his stock. Uh, Georgie's kind of a wild card. I mean, he, you know, good runner, great outfielder, good arm. So he improved. I mean, he's he had twice as good a second half as he did the first half of the year, which means he hit very well in the SEC. Um, you know, he's it's just he's he could be a fifth round guy, he could be a tenth round guy, you know, and then it's just going to be a decision that he's going to have to make. He's a smart kid, very good student, you know, working toward a good degree. It's just, you know, he's just going to have, he loves, he loves college, loves college life. So it's just going to be a, it's going to be a decision he's going to have to make whether he wants to go, you know, because come back as a senior end up being a senior saying, you know, the the money's not going to be – he's probably not going to vault himself into the first couple of rounds. So being a senior, you know, his – his uh, won't have any leverage and, and his his potential uh, bonus or pay would go down. But, you know, he's just going to – he would just have to um, weigh the uh, prospects of coming back and – for the last year of college or, or going on and, and playing. I mean, regardless, I mean, he's going to finish his degree. It's, you know, he's he's that kind of kid. Who, so he'd, he'd finish one way or the other. It's just whether he wants to play that last year of baseball and, and the one year in the new in the new Joe. When his cousin Emil, he just drafted in eighth round as a junior. He came back, played his senior year as well, and got drafted in eighth round again. So, I mean, you know, it. He he could work it either way. Um, it would be a big key for I mean, if uh, if it convincing to stay, that'd be a big recruiting coup for Mitch <laughs> if he if he does stay. Uh, I think that Overstreet is that's another wild card. Um, as great an infielder as he is, but you know a lot of the scouts do want to look at him as a catcher, which he hasn't caught, but you know two or three games in his life, and those were, that was this year. His hands are so good and so quick. Um, but the, with his with his speed, they, they're not so sure about him at second. He's looked great at third, which, which you know, would be a good position for him. But um, a lot of times they want more power out of the third baseman than, than he's provided so far. So it just kind of depends on what team what team's looking for what. And and then how bad um, he if he's ready to go or not. Uh, another one is uh, Ray Castilla, um, great arm out of the bullpen. He's had you know good success 
in a couple of different roles. His closer is kind of a long guy, and you know has the has the body for it, the the size, and has a good arm. He's in the low nineties. Um, he's one that could could go. Um, Will Haney is a draft eligible sophomore. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it just depends on what you look at. You look at the rocket arm and the and the rocket home runs. I mean, the raw power is is amazing. When he gets a hold of it, he's just you know you just don't. There's no limit to how far he can hit it, and he's got the great arm. But he's hitting 198, and he has a school record for strikeouts. So it depends on if a team you know wants to take him some somewhere down in the draft and and you know, think they can fix him as far as, you know, making better contact. When he makes contact, he hits over 300. It's just he doesn't make contact often enough. And then it's typically on the breaking pitch that you have, he's having trouble recognizing, I guess, um, or, or at least making contact with him. He may recognize it, but he's just not making contact with it. Uh, let's see, who else? Um well, we know Gilbo's a senior, so he's gone. But I mean, he'll he'll Gilbo will be drafted. Um, Jay, uh, Will Carter is a possibility too. He's been drafted a couple times already. At a, um, and it's just you know, Bama's his third school, and he came off arm surgery uh, over a year ago. His results were not what he wanted the first you know first what three fourths of the year, but the last. Two or three appearances he's made when he's come out of the pen, he's been very good. Looks like his velocity he's very good out. Yeah, he was great in Huntsville, and he was good the other day against Vanderbilt. And his velocity, I think, has picked back up. And um, you know, he's got good size and good arm. And uh, you know, he's a he's a kid that may get taken mid to late rounds that that possibly would go. Um, let's see. Um, Rob Bramble. I'm sorry. Jeffrey Bramble. Bramble. It's only a sophomore. He's not. He's not draft okay. eligible. So. Um, he and uh, he and I Colts and and Jake Walters and Thomas Burroughs. Well, yeah, you know they they'll definitely be back. So, you know the the staff um, in Keller will be back from his injury. So pitching for next year, uh, you know, should be in in fairly good hands. It's um, it's just if you know worst case scenario, if Mikey, Casey, Georgie, and Overstreet all leave, then you know you're starting over on building your offense, um, which you know, and the offense hasn't been stellar. You know, it's been good, but not not outstanding this year. And if you lose those guys, then you're you're really, um, you're really starting over with uh, Henry and Avant, pretty much, and um, you know, and Haney. Um, as long as, like I say, it'd be a surprise if he was picked in a, in a position to go. But I mean, it is a possibility. You know, I mean, you look at him; I mean, he's six five, two hundred. I mean, you know, you look at him; he's just like perfect specimen, and. Uh, Got that great arm and, and big power bat, so I would imagine he would be back, but you know he could lose him as well. So, and there's not really a, a catcher in the pipeline that 
they would want to plug into that position. They signed a kid, uh, number one catcher out of Tennessee again, which Haney was a couple of years ago um, for next year. Uh, they were trying, they trying to catch uh, Cody Henry. You know, working with him at catcher some. If Overstreet comes back, that's a possibility of you know moving him back there more than he he was this year. Um, over the years, uh, they haven't they didn't have it this year, but last year they worked at Senate catcher a little bit in scrimmages and in practices, just trying to just trying different guys to see what you know see what they had. Oh, another another guy uh, mentioned talking about the draft. I think Mitch Greer would have had a good shot at getting picked until he blew his elbow out from the way he was throwing the ball so hard. Um, he had a chance to be picked, but. I don't believe that will happen now with the, just having surgery today. Um, you know, one thing about, I wanted to ask you, Roger, is uh, if you're a guy like Georgie or Kyle and you're not drafted in the first nine or ten rounds, but you are drafted, is the signing bonus you're going to get at that point worth 18-hour bus rides, or is it better just to hang around and play in a state-of-the-art stadium your senior year? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It depends on what, I guess, what round and what it is. Because if you stay around and go your senior year, you're not going to get, you know, you're going to get even less. I mean, you're going to get. There's some point there in the eighth and ninth round. I mean, you know, you can possibly get a hundred, you know, a hundred thousand plus, which uh, you know isn't life changing money, uh, obviously. But you know, but you come back your senior year in that same spot you're out to get $10,000, you know, rather than possibility of, of a hundred plus. So it's just, it's just going to depend. And like you say, it depends on how bad they, uh, it depends on how much they want, you know, want to do school, if they want to come back and play in the new park. Um, and I mean, and they're, they got a little taste of the bus ride life uh, this year with, um, back and forth to Hoover and Montgomery and Mobile and all that. So they, that might uh, that might, might make them want to uh, take a year off from riding the bus. But, you know, because they, they didn't like that and stayed in the hotel. And, of course, I mean, I was talking to one of the minor league guys the other day and telling him that, and I said, you know, what is Wade lost? And I said, I said, yeah, they're getting tired of the bus rides and the, Staying in the hotel, I said, but I guess uh, they really can't complain how they're staying in the Winfrey and they're eating great food and they're riding. You know, it's not that long a ride. I said, look what you guys are doing. He said, yeah. He said that's about a hundred times better than than our eighteen-hour bus rides and our cold hamburgers and our flea-bag motels that we stay in. So, uh, although they got a little taste of it, they, but not a true taste because they um, they do, they are staying in some nice places and. Uh, they do. They still get to eat pretty, pretty good. They don't have to make do on twenty dollars a day or anything like that. Um, you know, one thing is, if they're twenty, they're twenty-one or whatever age they are. If they wait another year, they're twenty-two. That's, you know, still young, but they want to get. If they want, depends on how serious they are about, about really, really making it their, their career. Um, 
almost the younger you get, the younger you get started, the better off you are. But you know, it's just a it's just going to be a personal choice whether I might say enjoy college or and how bad they want to play in that new stadium. I know a lot, you know, that of course all of them would love to be playing in that new stadium now, and that might be a that might be a selling point for them to come back if it's like you say a ten to fifteen round or, or later decisions. Like, well, not going to get much once you get past a certain point. So I might as well come back and play, try to finish school, and and then get the same money next year. What's the progress looking like, Roger? I know you live in Tuscaloosa. What's the progress on the new park looking like? Oh, it looks great. It's looking really, really, really good. It, um, there's, you know, finally you can see something tangible. So you can look at something and say, oh, it's starting to take shape a little bit rather than, you know, they were putting a lot of a lot of steel and a lot of doing the underground stuff that you can't really see. And now that um, now that they're, they've got some things actually going up, it's, um, it's, you can start to tell what it looks like. And it's, it's just going to be so nice. Um, Going to be a uh, a crown jewel for the university, and you know should really really help with recruiting and um, hopefully fan support, and um, you know be a better better atmosphere for everybody. One thing, I mean, even with the park the way it was, the atmosphere at the Joe last year, with particularly with the new right field student plaza, was incredible. It's what I've missed a lot at being at the Met. It's just you know, I, it does not feel like a, a home field advantage at all playing there. It's just like a big sterile thing. I mean, you can't. There's just there's no um, continuity to where the fans are, or you know. I mean, it's it's filled its it's filled its purpose, but it's just not. I don't think it's helped them, you know, at all. Feel like they're playing a home game. And last year, the kids, the players, loved having the students out there in the outfield, and you know, going out there after after the games and slapping hands and you know, and, and cheering and saluting them for uh, being there. And I mean, there's fifteen hundred, two thousand students out there in that every week. And of course, those kids haven't been you know coming up to Hoover, and there's nowhere to put them. You know, really like put them together if they did. So it's uh, that's going to be one of the one of the big things about getting back there, besides the new parks, getting back and having a actual home home field advantage. Because I think you know the overall quote quote home record was not outstanding. I think it's like nineteen fifteen or something this year. Which you know typically, I mean, every team has a has a lot better home record than that. But it's just kind of like you're at a park, you're not at home. So that's going to be a big difference, I think, in the in the results as well. Since we talked last, and the last time I talked to you, it was you and me and Rick Finley and George Salem today. You're in the rain delay at Regents Field uh, waiting for Alabama to beat UAB. Since that right. time, Roger, have you been able to get George Senior to pick up the check? <laughs> yeah, oh, George is fine. Yeah, he he has picked up a check before. I kid him about it, but he, yeah, he's picked up a check. <laughs> he's uh, he's a good guy. He uh, he he uh, he looks out for me. But 
Yeah, I had him pick up one one time. <laughs> one time. <laughs> I think he figures that he's your bodyguard, and, and because of that, that's right. Yeah, he does take he does take care of me. He's got he's, he's got the size on me, so uh, yeah, he kind of he um, he kind of clears the path for me sometimes. No, that's I don't that's, remember uh, that much. I was living there then, but I don't remember that much about George, his football career. What do you remember about it, Roger? Well, he um, well, he, he played. Uh, yeah, well, he he played some offensive line and defensive line, and um, you know, I mean, he yeah, he'll tell you. He said, you know, he was, you know, he wasn't the greatest player in the world, but he 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 worked real hard. He was really, really, and Georgie's done the same thing. He's really, really strong, particularly when you know when he was obviously when he was young and a ball player. But he was like one of the one or two strongest players on the team as far as you know weightlifting and stuff. And um, he um, he had a um, the one year I think when he was working like in the spring he was working as a starter and um, he uh, or you know at least at least to be in the rotation and uh, oddly enough uh, Mike White uh, he and Mike White got involved in a play and uh, Georgie ended up breaking his ankle. George, not Georgie, and uh, you know he he uh, he blames it on Mike, and uh, Mike says it was clean play. You know, I mean they joke back and forth about it, but um, and that kind of set him back. So he he never played as much as you know he had a lot to have. But he he was a um, he was a, a tough, hard nosed player that um, that got after it from everything I understand. And then his dad, his dad played uh, for football for Alabama, and his Ed Salem's his great uncle. That's his dad's brother, so all American. And then um, Jimbo Salem, and then Mark Salem for baseball, and a Bill. I mean, it's just been a long. There's been a long, long line of Salem's and Crimson and White. I'll try to remember. Did, did George get in many games? Do what now? Did George, the daddy, get in any ball games? I know he's a great practice player, but did he get in many games? Did he get in any games? Like, like, was he a letterman legitimately? Like, I can't remember how much he actually played. Oh, yeah, 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 he played. Yeah, he lettered. Yeah, he did. He got he got to play. Um, well, see, and then, like, say, when, when he, he first he was got about, there, was... Do it now? When he first got there at Alabama, Georgia, talking about, was, was he originally a walk-on? Um, I don't, I didn't think he was, um, you know, I, I'm, okay, see, I'm not sure. I but, yeah. Yeah. He came in under, um, coach Bryant and then, um, finished under, um, Perkins. And then, yeah, about um, the same age as, as Mike White. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. George is, uh, George, George is 50. So, um, yeah, and Mike's right. Right, they they were either the same year or one year one year apart. Um, you know, there is uh, Kurt Jarvis was there. Um, I guess Biscuit Bennett Cornelius was there. Um, a lot of those guys. But I know. Um, so it would have been early early. Yeah, it was mid eighties. Yeah, early mid eighties. Yeah, I can. I think the games George actually played in would have been under Perkins. 
But yeah, that's that's cool how now playing baseball. You know, Mike White, George Salem, which is really, really cool. Uh, and and yeah. not to forget Rocky Coleman, uh, Rocky Coleman's son. Yeah, Rocky, Rocky. Rocky's out there as well. And, so there uh, were guys out there on the field playing football for Ray Perkins that now have sons playing baseball for Mitch Gaspard. It's really, right, really right. neat little deal. I mean, yeah. Well, Roger, listen, yeah, we yeah. appreciate your time. We've uh, we've held you up over 30 minutes now, so thank you for your insight on all about baseball. It's always great talking to you, and uh, we'll definitely have you on again at some point in the future to talk some more okay. uh, about right. sports. Well, thank you. you have a good I night, enjoyed it. All right, thank you. Thank man. you, man. I appreciate it. Well Roger Myers, a uh, baseball super fan. He's also quite qualified to talk about every other sport in Alabama. I believe he has season tickets to basketball and football, too. So, But baseball is his passion, and you can tell it when he talks it, and every time we've had him on three times now, every time he just brings it. and He brings little stories that you know that you wouldn't normally otherwise hear, and he was calling in on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline, but all of Roger's calls are sponsored by Asian Rim restaurant where you can have pork barbecue fried rice as Drew and I had recently and we loved it. So thank you for Roger Myers for that insight on Alabama baseball. Um, they'll play at 3 o'clock tomorrow against Vanderbilt. Uh, hoping not to see Bueller on the mound, but uh, since it's become an elimination game for Vandy, I fear that we will see Bueller. Uh, Alabama did beat him one nothing this past Saturday in a game I was fortunate to cover. And I will be... Uh, I've not been able to go to the SEC tournament yet this year because I've had three nine thirty games and I work a day job. But being us out the day before a holiday, the day job is letting out early tomorrow, so I will be able to cover tomorrow's three o'clock game and also Saturday's uh, softball action in Tuscaloosa. Going to take one day of each this week, so that'll be fun. Uh, a little diamond sports coverage for diamondback.com and some other entities on the internet. So that'll be good. So. Uh, that was good to hear from Roger, and uh, Bama Baseball is going to have their hands full tomorrow with uh, Bueller on the mound. <laughs> I love that name. He spells it exactly the same as Fairfield, too. But uh, Bueller on the mound for Vandy. Beat him one nothing last week. Going to be tough to do it again, but uh, you never know. Uh, I don't think anybody anticipated Carson Fulmer getting lit up like he did today. So with the, uh, the college baseball game played the way it is, you just never know how to come out. So, uh I think a win tomorrow will get them on the cusp, Drew, of making the region. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll, as I told Roger, I, I think if they win tomorrow and it gets them in the conversation, then they have a legitimate argument if they can get to Sunday. Uh, but, you know, they, they're going to have to have Will Carter step up, then probably Nick Eichholz. They'll be getting on down the line. Um, Bramlett, he, he pitched a complete game in the first game on Tuesday. Uh, the you might be able to see him pitch on Sunday because he would be on four days rest. He had full four, a full four days off from the standpoint of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Well, three days. Pardon my language. I'm, I'm not nearly my straight pitch. But, but I still don't – you could see him throw a couple, two or three innings on three days rest. He wouldn't start necessarily. but might come out of the bullpen. But it's hard to say. Uh, but I, we'll see what happens. Uh, if you know, it, it, I, I, I doubt they would do that to Jeffrey because, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they would actually would be four days, but he's not a pro kid, and he threw the ball so well. They could, again, use him two or three innings on a Sunday, but uh, they're going to really need some guys to step up 
And it does stink that Mitch Greer blew out his elbow. He really started to throw the ball well, 95 miles per hour. And, uh, he finally started to get a little bit of his command better. And then they don't have Keller, and they haven't had him all year. So, they really – a guy like the, the freshman from Albertville is probably going to have to throw some Alex Watkins. He's been a little bit up and down. But we've seen it before, Kerry. It, it's happened with Jim Wells. They've used little-known pitchers who go out there and throw the games of their lives. So, you just got to go out there and play and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, Sammy Dunn had a guy, Jeff, I forget his last name, but he was a 28-year-old. Jeffrey Norris. Jeffrey Norris, he was a 28-year-old former Mormon missionary that was playing baseball for Alabama as a walk-on. And he had, from the stage, he had pitched for Sammy Dunn. He was out there. Eight for an hour. Yeah, but you know what? He won the SEC championship game on a Sunday. So uh, yep. it was an upset, and uh, it can happen. Yeah, look, chances are Vandy will put them out tomorrow, and if they do, the season is probably over, unless a lot of strange things happen the season's probably over. But they, they, one thing we didn't mention when we were talking to Roger, yeah, Alabama's RPI is around mid-40s now because of this week. They came into Monday at 50, and they better to improve it up around the mid-40s. But one thing the committee might look at, Drew, is that Alabama's strength of schedule is four. Oh, yeah. That's strong. I know they'll have a great record, but the fourth toughest schedule in America, you got to at least get a conversation about them. No doubt. We'll see. Like I said, they've got a chance to, you know, it, I always felt like it would be a really good run if they could get to the weekend, and they're one win away from doing so and being in the Final Four. And if they could put it out of a team like Vanderbilt and split four games with the Commodores, who are very talented and got a great pitching staff, we'll see. Uh, they've played pretty good baseball, and we'll see if they can get it done. And uh, uh, it's going to be tough right now. LSU is mud holding Arkansas six to one, so they've only had one close game today. So they've uh, Arkansas trying to rally here. They're still down five runs, and we saw what happened to Auburn today. I didn't shed a tear for that. What about what happened to Auburn last night? Up five runs twice. Up five runs twice. And- they got uh, they lose the game nine eight, then lose eleven to two today. So yeah, it's a tough loss for Galloway and the boys. They're gone. They'll probably get to a regional though. They, no, they, they will. They're, they're in. They'll make it. They'll make it. They're going to make a regional. So they'll finally get into postseason play. Yeah. So they've got a chance to, to be in postseason. It's good for him in his second year. So we'll see. And uh, we'll just, yeah, we'll, Alabama's just got to continue to take it one game at a time and see where they where they land. Yep. Um, We'll turn we'll, we'll turn the uh, tables. We're, we're going to run the show a little late tonight, listeners, because uh, Brandon Austin had a family situation to take care of. So instead of uh, bringing him on at 8.30 like we told you originally, 8.30 Central, we're going to bring him on around 9 Central. Uh, and we, cur- we, we currently completely understand what he's going through, and we're glad he can still join us. So we're going to run a little bit late, so we're going to need some help from you guys to chip in and give us a call on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline, which is 714-510-3707. Again, 714-510-3707. But without further ado, uh, since this is a good time, uh, I would like to bring on Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, our esteemed producer. Thomas, there has been a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of talk about the uh, satellite football camp, such as the one Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are conducting in Prattville in a couple of weeks. And I understand, sir, that you have uh, an opinion about those camps. Uh, I do. 
and carry on. It's uh, I think it's going to blow up in the Big Ten's face, and I think it's going to blow up in the Big Ten's face spectacularly. There are only two real outcomes to these satellite football camps. One, the NCAA gets involved and <clears throat> bans them. Just says you can't do it outside of 50 miles around your campus. They just they just cut it off. Or, and I think what's the more likely scenario, after Mike Slive leaves the SEC and Greg Sankey really like officially takes over, you know, every the changeovers and all that. And he, when Sankey and the ACC commissioner, whose name escapes me, sit down and realize that they're at a competitive disadvantage, they're going to cut out the. 50-mile range limit that currently exists on SEC teams. So now you have to look at each program. Now, I, let me be very clear. I'm not saying that Michigan and Ohio State and other large programs don't have a ton of money, but I am saying that the vast majority are not going to be willing to spend the amount of money that the top-tier SEC schools will on something like this because – Here's how I would handle it if I'm Nick Saban. And here, here's, a, here's another caveat. The recruiting rules surrounding satellite football camps are really, really weird. Like, because it's not an official issue, like, left to conferences, I don't really know if, if, this is, if there's anything really pertaining specifically to satellite football camps. Well, let's just assume that those rules haven't been made or they won't have a set like superimposed. Here's what I'm doing if I'm Nick Saban. I'm calling up all my friends in the NFL that are out of jobs. I'm calling up all my college friends, and I'm saying, college NFL friend 01, I'll pay you a million dollars a year to run 30 football camps across the country. I'll run two camps a month at places that we decide to do. And suddenly, and so let's think about what I just said. You're throwing $10 million plus travel, so that's another couple million. That's $13 million. Alabama's athletic department would have still made $19 million this year. So we're talking pocket change for the Alabama program. How many teams could do that? How many teams would want to do that? Michigan cannot do it. You know why Michigan cannot do it? Because if they start spending $10 million on recruiting and football, the great Michigan academic – you know, let's beat our chest because we're an academic institution thing, that goes up in smoke. Ohio State could because they have the resources. But that's the only two really in the Big Ten that I think would be willing to do that. And in the end, you look at satellite camps, and if an arms race develops, the SEC has more money for it. And all this snickering that the Big Ten programs are saying because, oh, we can raid the South for talent, Okay, what ha- and I use this metaphor in another podcast. What happens when there's an Alabama football camp once a month outside of Detroit and Alabama starts pulling Detroit Cast Tech players 24-7? What happens when that happens? What happens when the backyards of these Big Ten programs become SEC field days? I think that this is going to be hilarious if this comes to pass the way I think it will because – the SEC is going to spend the money, and what, what, are you, what are you going to do? What do you do then? You have a Wild West, and the SEC has more resources. 
I, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to blow up in the big Ten's face. And if folks think that the sec will not spend that money, give me a break. We're talking about again. football. We're talking Thomas, about. I heard a conversation. Football. I heard a conversation today on the radio, Thomas, between Chris Lowe and, and Tony Barnhart, two guys that know the SEC inside and out, and they both said to. They both agreed completely with what you just said. That if SEC coaches are given the ability to run camps all over the country, you better damn know there's going to be the Atlanta Nick Saban camp and the Dallas Nick Saban camp and. It's coming. If, if they let them do it, they're going to do it. Now, do coaches want to spend their whole summer doing that kind of thing? No. But if one does it, they all got to do it. And those two guys totally agree with your opinion. Uh, if, 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 Thomas, it's, it's this is me talking now. It's somewhere between a can of worms and a Pandora's box. Uh, absolutely. I, I think, you know, when I saw it, I do think Jim Harbaugh in Michigan will see some windfall from running that camp in Prattville, for example. They already have. They've already gotten a commitment from Kingston Davis, one of the best running backs in the state. That's absolutely. So I think once that comes, like that really, assuming Davis signs with Michigan, it's still a long way to go in this class. And I'm, I'm not the recruiting guru that you or Drew are, but if that, if, if the SEC coaches have a, thing to point to like that and these rules get broken out then it's just it's going to be cra- it's going to be absolutely crazy and like maybe drew or carrie one of you can help me out with the rules here does it have to be just the nick saban football camp maybe it could be the mel tucker camp where let's say you have a, you set up a satellite football camp at oh hell pick a pick a high school in in uh in minnesota that has some random player Send Mel Tucker there, and you tell the, the kid that's a DB, you want to get, you want to go through a camp with your position coach. Go to this camp. What do you do then? Is it, is it the bump rule? I don't think it's the bump rule. And that you can't say that's not a recruiting advantage. Of it is. And and that I think that's where we're going. Like, you, you, the next part of the pitch is, oh, we're recruiting a DB in Hawaii for some reason. Well. We'll send Mel Tucker to work three camps in Honolulu and quote-unquote coach this guy, but he'll coach him, but he'll recruit him by coaching him. And when that happens, you're just, you think about it and you're like, how do you regulate this and where does it end? And I, I don't think it's going to end very well for the people that are currently snickering up through the Midwest of the United States. Put it to you that way. Well, here's my thing, Thomas. I think it should be a standard rule across the NCAA, not a conference rule. I think if one conference can do it, they all ought to be able to do it. If one can't do it, they all ought not to be able to do it. And am I wrong? No, I think you're absolutely right. And if I was the NCAA, the, the home office in Indianapolis, I'm taking a long, hard look at this because, again, I don't think the ACC and the SEC will keep their 50-mile rule because they've really – at the end of the day, Jim Harbaugh has rubbed the SEC's nose in a puddle of piss. And, no doubt. No doubt. And, and I don't think those conferences are going to take it lying down. And then, then it's, you look at it in the NCAA, who is currently fighting to the bitter end to maintain amateurism rules, that goes out the window when, you're, when your athletic budgets double for recruiting. Or in the case of an Alabama, I wouldn't be surprised if it tripled. You know, what does that say? So I think the NCAA 
on the whole needs to figure this out because if I'm the lawyers and the appeal for the UCLA guy, Ed O'Bannon, I'm just like, hey, look at these rules. How is this amateurism? They're getting recruited with money that they made to recruit the next guy. I mean, come on, guys. This this is supply and demand. There's not much more that you could say there. You know what I mean? Well, maybe next week your rant should be on cost of attendance. Oh, dear Lord, cost of attendance. I think you can roll that. You don't think cost of attendance in satellite camps might not be a couple of topics next week at the SEC meetings in Destin? Oh, I would kill, kill to be a fly on the wall in those meetings. Because the, the, both of those things are such minefields. Like, I, I won't get into cost of attendance. No, let's say that for another show. Just, I'm uh, just, let's just say it's a minefield. Go oh, with that. <laughs> you talk about. I was making a joke earlier about uh, Pandora's box. That's a Pandora's box. Yep. Uh, Drew, you can jump on in if you got any opinions, bro. We may have lost Drew. I don't know why. <laughs> He's still showing up. I don't know. Maybe no, I'm right. here. I'm here. I right. just, uh, you know, I. I, I Again, I think I agree with the satellite camps. Nick Saban's as savvy as they are, as they can be. Um, you know, he, they've changed so many rules. He, uh, they, they changed the bump rule. They didn't let the head coaches go out and evaluate anymore because he was out working coaches. Uh, he likes to be out on the road and evaluate in person. Most of these head coaches are lazy and don't like to do it. And, uh, and so then he, did, he, he started doing the video conference, and nobody was doing that. Uh, and now the Big Ten, as Thomas has said, they're kind of rubbing the SEC's nose in it, coming down to Crackville, Alabama, to do a satellite camp. Trust me, they're going to fight fire with fire, especially with both Ohio State Conference this year. Uh, yeah, I agree with Thomas. They'll change the rules, and Nick Saban will go to Alaska if he has to. To if there's a great football player he thinks he can get, it's just kind of ironic. They they did they didn't do as many Crimson Caravans this year. But he went to Dallas, Texas, and, and look who's going to commit to Alabama uh, tomorrow. The Hulk. Yes. And, I mean, and as John Garcia was saying the other day, this is like five years in a row that they're, they're going to get a five-star from the state of Texas. Right. Right. Exactly. So, we'll, yeah. leave, we'll leave it at that on the camps. Uh, if you all have any opinions on them that are listening live, go ahead and call us at 714-510-3707. But, Drew, just while we've been talking tonight, uh, just since 7 o'clock. There's been some pretty interesting stuff go across Twitter. i got to bring this up because I'm not really familiar with this happening at a high school before. I know it's happened in college softball and college women's basketball. But uh, Mobile Christian is going to have co-head coaches, and one of them is former Alabama recruiting coordinator Lavani Cottrell. Odd situation in my opinion. Yeah, it's really strange. He got let go at Chickasaw. In their first year as a program, uh, they went four and six. He's had, you know, he's been at Kingston. He's been at, uh, obviously, uh, he, he's been at Dothan. Uh, he's, been at, he's been at a lot of different places. Ozark, Carol Ozark. He's had five or six head coaching jobs in high school. Hadn't had a lot of sustained success. Has been in the state of Florida. Has been in the state of Alabama, but, I saw it go across that he was going to be named the head coach at Mobile Christian. Now you're saying it's going to be a co-head coach. Yeah, but I'm reading the article further. It's only for one season. Uh, yeah. The, the current head coach, uh, his name is Wozman, Tommy Wozman. His son's going to be a senior. And after the season is over, he's going to become just an administrator, and Ronnie will be the head coach by himself. So 
So it's only co-head coaching for one season. Still kind of an odd deal, but just thought we'd bring it out since Ronnie used to coach at Alabama. Um, Very strange. Another one one for you, Drew. You can comment on this if you'd like. Uh, 2016 Wichita East High School four-star defensive end Xavier Kelly plans to visit Alabama May the 29th on an unofficial. Um, Sounds like a pretty good player. Yeah, I think he's a pretty good football player. Uh, there's going to be an emphasis on defensive linemen in the class. He'll be coming in right before the elite camp comes in, or starts on May the 31st, and we'll see what happens there. There's a lot of good uh, defensive in- linemen right now. I think Alabama feels very good about where they are with the top defensive linemen in the country uh, from Paramus, New Jersey, uh, Rayshon Gary, and they've already they, they're going to pick up the Hulk tomorrow. So it'd be a, a, I think they're off to a very good start at defensive line. We've already talked about Janarius Robinson. I think, uh, obviously, offensive and defensive line is going to be the emphasis of this class in 2016. It wouldn't shock me at all if it all said and done, if they uh, signed the number one D-line class and number one uh, O-line class in the country. Pretty strong. Uh, it was announced today that the opening game of the season uh, against Wisconsin will kick off at 7 p.m. Central Time and will be televised by ABC. That game will be played out in Jerry World in Dallas. So make your plans accordingly. I'm going to watch it on TV, but it's cool to know that I don't have to, you know, but I'll be able to do stuff during the day and still watch that game at 7, so that's fine. Uh, the outer conference schedule continues to take shape. Uh, still appears USC in 2016. And Drew, word is, uh, nothing official yet, the word is that the first college game, the New Atlanta Falcons Stadium, that's uh, under construction now in 2017, could well be uh, Fall State and Alabama. Yep, Bama versus the Crab Legs. Yep. Got a chance to play against the Knowles. It should be a great matchup, a lot of hype. Um, they, the Knowles got Everett Golson this week, so they got their transfer QB. They weren't happy uh, with their younger QBs. They brought in about, I think, ended up with three. I think one of them had gone to Florida on signing day, but I think they brought in three in the signing class, but they're not ready yet. So Jimbo went out and got Everett, and we'll see if he can improve Everett's decision-making. But uh, hopefully Alabama can play their card and get right back in the mix, but we'll see. Uh, But look forward to maybe playing the Knowles in a couple years in a rematch from the 2007 game against Bobby Bowden in Jacksonville. Correct. And even in many, many, many years Fans have asked for this matchup, and it looks like there's a chance, definitely not in stone, but there's a chance that the 2018 opener could actually be Alabama-Oregon. <laughs> that would be something. It's a matchup everybody's talked about every year, Terry, and a lot of people thought they'd see it in the playoff last year, but they didn't match up with one another. And Then they thought they'd see it in the national championship game. didn't happen. Ohio State took out Oregon. But uh, can the Ducks continue to? to perform at a high level and put themselves in position to play for a national championship under Mark Helfrich, too. I didn't figure out who his name was till the playoff. I couldn't remember. Uh, he, I know he was the offensive coordinator that took over for Chip Kelly, but it will be interesting to see if they can continue to produce with their program. Hey, even further down the road in 2019, preliminary talks, rumors, discussions, nothing in stone. But there's a slight possibility, Drew, that in 2019 – you could see Alabama Notre Dame in Orlando. So uh, I'd love to see that. I don't know the Notre Dame will want, but uh, I don't think Alabama would mind playing the Irish again. Notre Dame's good to play Georgia, so uh, you know 
you never know. It's just, it's just, it's just very, very, very preliminary stuff. The one we feel best uh, about right now, as far as actually happening, is the uh, FSU and 17 at the new Falcon Stadium. Yes. Not, the, not the Georgia Dome, listeners. The new Falcon Stadium is going to be state-of-the-art Jerry World-type place. A lot of fun that would be to open that stadium, uh, at least from a college perspective, against Florida State, hoping that Jim Crow is still there then, hoping that Saban is still here. Uh, who, who's to say what's going to happen between now and 2017? Um, let's see. Continue to look around on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if this has ever happened before, but University of Houston got a five-star commitment tonight. That's got to be a first in their history. Um, I wanted to ask you, Drew, uh, I know we heard about him uh, in an interview we did on this show a while back, but what, what do we know about Juwan Pass or anyone else as far as being the quarterback of the 2016 Alabama class? They, they, they're, they're torn between Juwan Pass, Woody Barrett, and Jalen Hurts. And Hurts is from Texas. Barrett's from the state of Georgia, and so is Juwan Pass. Uh, Pass has excellent size, but the, the reports I've got on him is he's a, considered an erratic passer. Um, you know, I don't think he's a, he's going to need a lot of work. And it, it, when someone's inaccurate, that kind of worries you as a, as a quarterback and a passer. But we will see. Uh, they, I think they want all three of them to come to camp. You know, Woody has said he may commit June the fourth, uh, but Alabama and Alabama's elite camp is starts the thirty first. Could he show up and throw for Alabama? We would hope so. If, if uh, maybe he, if Alabama would decide to take him, but many think he could end up at Auburn. Uh, he's an excellent runner, but at the same time, Juwan Pass uh, is, is being heavily sought after by Auburn as well. And to top it all off. Um, what I understand, I think uh, Pass's brother plays at Louisville, and there's been some talk of him following him over there. So uh, Louisville has been at one time thought to be the leader, but then just kind of fell backwards. Could they be making another move? We will see. I know North Carolina's been mentioned with him as well, but uh, Pass is someone that's very talented. But again, I think I still think it's going to come down to how the QBs throw in camp. The Scout.com staff, of which I'm affiliated with has learned that Alabama is in the top eight. I know eight's a lot of teams. But Alabama's in the top eight for a uh, Texas four-star defensive tackle by the name of Jordan Elliott. Do you know anything about him? Uh, he's, he's a good player. I mean, I, I still think it's too early. Uh, the only, you know, the, the main DLs to look for are Janarius Robinson and uh, obviously uh, Rashawn Gary. And the one good part about Gary, Carey, <laughs> is uh, – he will come in either June or July, I was told today, and stay for about six or seven days with his family. Um, and the lead recruiter uh, for Rashawn uh, is the machine known as Rash- uh, Mario Cristobal. And to me, he, I don't think there's two better recruiters on the same staff in America uh, than Mario and uh, Tosh Bluecorn. Yeah, you got to feel pretty good about it. But you know what, Drew, to me, uh, and we're still waiting, hopefully, to hear from Brandon Austin in the next couple of minutes. But uh, to me, Alabama's got on the field this fall, once the rest of the kids report, on the field, when you talk freshman, redshirt freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, Alabama's going to be posting five number one recruiting classes on the yes. field this fall. To me, if you've got that kind of talent on your roster, with all due respect to the quarterback position, if you've got five number one classes on your roster, you 
pretty much need to be in that Final Four playoff. Well, yes. I do think that. You know, we expect it every year, but, you know, (laughs) all due respect to the quarterback situation, and there was some concern in the secondary, and even with the injuries to Adam Griffith's back, there's concern at kicker, but, you know, even if they don't have to throw the ball as much as they did last year, and they probably won't, maybe a 2009-type season where you just run down people's slopes and play great defense, if you if you have to do that, you have to do that. But five classes that were all number one, you know, that's, that's going to fuel some very serious expectations. And I see all the predictions of Auburn being picked to win the West and blah, 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 blah. What I understand about that is, you're picking a team to win the West that lost four out of the last five games last year. Is breaking in a new quarterback. Yes, he's talented, but he's still new. And brought in a defensive coordinator that has a big reputation, but got torched for over 600 yards with better players. Better players at Florida he's going to have this year at Auburn got torched for something like 640 yards by Lane Kiffin last year. But we're supposed to fear them? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't really make sense of it either. I, you know, without a quarterback, it's definitely going to put if, – if Braxton Miller is not in the equation, it's going to put Alabama on the eight ball a little bit. But I don't buy the hype. I don't think that you're just going to flick a switch. But, Drew, uh, they, want it, they, draw, they want it with a junior Greg McElroy. Right. And, it was about know, a quarter step ahead of Spencer Pennington. I mean – He got better, but, you know – but I just don't – I don't buy it. I, you know, Byron Coward will be an impact guy. Obviously, Carl Lawson is talented. But they're secondary, so I have a lot of holes. That's why they're looking at Brandon Callis from Michigan, a fifth-year transfer. They had three guys leaving five since the end of the bowl game in the secondary. They don't have a lot of numbers there. Uh, they haven't recruited uh, back there all that well. They run it some South kids this year, but they're going to be inexperienced. And then – Again, it's been the one area of during Malzahn senior that's continued to underachieve, and, and they have a new coaching staff. But again, I just think they got too many holes on defense to be the lock for the playoff that some of these uh, Auburn people seem to think. Another thing to mention: uh, there's been some uh, highlight videos come out recently showing uh, Derrick Henry flipping tires, pushing trucks and working out by himself at 4 o'clock in the morning in the UA weight room. Uh, you know, I've heard him jokingly called beast mode, but my God, Drew, that is beast mode. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, he's he's really working hard. He knows it's his time. and I know he knows he needs to run more physically between the tackles. I actually thought he looked pretty good during the spring game. Some people were critical of him. I thought he looked uh, like he was in good shape, and I thought he ran physically. Uh, but I think he's going to be a really good player. We're going to see about it. Uh, I, uh, I really think, honestly, uh, that he and Derek, or excuse me, he and King and Drake is what I was trying to say, are going to have a, be an excellent combination and, and complement each other very well. And then I'm really anxious to see uh, what uh, Damian Harris can do when he reports. Oh yeah, definitely. Damian Harris is a guy that had better be ready to play because even if Derek and Kenyon both stay healthy the entire season. I think we can all three agree that Kenyon's not an every-down back. He's a, he's a specialty guy. He's a Reggie Bush guy. He's a part-time wide receiver. He's a running back out of the backfield. 
he's a lot of things, but he's not an every down tailback. Derek is, but Derek is going to get some some breezes here and there. I've got to believe that some of the times, especially in certain formations, when Kenyon does play receiver, I've got to believe that 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 Damian is going to get some quality playing time, uh, much like Eddie Lacy did when he was a freshman. Uh, without question, uh, I, I think he's he's a very talented kid. Put on a show, 116 yard, 35 yard touchdown in the Under Armour game. You know, I think both Scarborough it would have been nice to see him, but his rehab's coming along well. Still don't think um, that that's going to, you know, happen if Jarvis coming back. It's not realistic. You don't want to rush Bo. And I think Damian Harris is talented enough to come in and, and play a role. And, you know, even if push came to shove, to share his flowers from Biger. But I just really don't think that's going to be necessary. I think Harris is the more talented kid. They're going to have to do the red shirt, uh, just And I think that'll be best for his future. But I think uh, you wanted to have him stay healthy now. Derrick Henry and Kenyon need to stay healthy. But I think Kenyon's going to be versatile, being the kick return game, receiver, running back. And then Derrick Henry, you know, he's going to have his big boy pants on, but you could see him get 20 carries a game, carry and take on a heavier load. I'd like to see him get 20 games. Yeah. And I like the idea. I know it may scare some fans, but I like the idea of Kenyon being deep on kickoffs as he was during the spring. I like it. I like the idea of a guy getting the ball on a kickoff that can go to the house at any given moment. It excites me. Uh, it brings the fans to their feet. Uh, I, I, you know, at first I thought it's just a spring experiment, but I, I think there may be something to that as far as Kenyon on kickoff returns. I like it. I like it a lot. I think it'll be Cyrus on punt, but I like the idea. I do, too. I think it could definitely work out. I'm excited defensively to see if how much more the secondary improved. Uh, Tony Brown, should he should he uh, emotionally, you know, continue to mature? I think he has supreme talent. I think everybody was excited about Marlon Humphrey in the spring. Uh, even, uh, you know, Bradley Silby was solid. Even Anthony Averett, and uh, they were able to move Eddie Jackson inside. And I think uh, Eddie – Eddie's got a chance to, to really be the missing piece of safety. And when Gino comes off his suspension, uh, I, I think, uh, obviously, uh, I think uh, the secondary could turn from a, a weakness into, you know, not a spectacular unit, but a very, very solid unit. And with the front seven pass rush from Luke Hoy's guys, the defense will be nasty. It'll have to be. Uh, it'll have to be. And I think, I, I think there's reason to expect improvement in the secondary. Um, and, you know, the, the move of, of, of Eddie Jackson to safety, I think, was a struggle for him. Uh, he picked it up very quickly. Yes, you know, it's probably going to have to sit a game or two. Maybe I don't think it would be any more than two years. But, uh, you know, and then you have Ronnie Harrison, who had a wonderful spring. Kudos to him. Uh, you know, we, we often forget about Hootie Jones. I, I think there's enough depth at safety that they can do it. And, Tony Brown, it's interesting that you mentioned him. There's no question about his ability, Drew, but I've been hearing from sources that there's still a maturity issue there. Yes, he, he needs to control himself a little bit as far as emotionally. And verbally. Uh, yes, and uh, he's a young player who still, I think, is – and he's still – and people have to understand, he's he, he had a hard time with, the, with his father becoming wheelchair-bound and uh, not being as big a factor in his life. Uh, after the stroke, and 
you know, he's had, and his, his mother wanted Nick Saban there to kind of keep him in line and discipline him. And he still is a young player that needs to mature. But we've seen when that happens, a lot of times it takes two to three years, carry. But when you see the light at the end of the tunnel and with the talent level of a Tony Brown, uh, you know how good the kid is. And I think he can still be a special player. I do too. And somebody else that I think is going to be special, even though he registered last year, I've got extremely high hopes for Marlon Humphrey. Yes, uh, Marlon Humphrey is a five-star. Great bloodlines with his dad, Bobby. Uh, his brother, Marguerite, has played at Arkansas and in UAB. But, you know, Marlon was a three-year starter at Hoover. Uh, very well coached. Uh, great track athlete. Uh, yeah, I think uh, he, he, he spent a year red-shirting and learning and getting uh, some much-needed size. And, uh, he's, a, he's what I call a, a guy that's a, a, sure, a sure NFL player if he, if he stays healthy. I think he's physical enough. He struggled a little bit in high school with some bigger receivers. But now that he's stronger – I always thought he liked to hit in high school. He's another one that could factor into the return game. And I thought he showed very good ball skills in the spring. And I thought he'd improved by leaps and bounds. And just I'm anxious to see the progress in another four. Yeah, that, that reminds me. I'm glad you said that about him liking to hit. Because I told this story when the night we had Ryan Paris on. But it was a Thursday night ball game to close the regular season a few years back over at Hoover. As you know, I live about five minutes from Hoover High. So they were playing Bob Jones. So uh, Butch Paris and, and Ryan came down for the game and filled the sidelines with me. And at this point, Reggie Ragland was a senior at Bob Jones and was used a good bit at receiver, particularly on conversion downs. Well, they ran him on an out route against Marlin. And about the time the ball got to Reggie, Marlin got to Reggie. And I mean... Clean play, cleaned his clock, and Reggie was not able to handle the ball. And so don't, don't let Marlon size fool you. He does bring the wood. Uh, he's still a little bit skinny, uh, but um, that you know I'm looking for very big things from Marlon Humphrey this year. Well, as far as our last projected guest goes, we were not able to reach him because uh, he had a family matter to attend to. So we're going to try to get uh, hopefully. Uh, it's tougher to get them once they get to school, Drew, but hopefully we can try to get Brandon Austin next week. Uh, and, uh, no doubt. Yes, and we want to say we're praying for his family situation. It had to do with his aunt. Uh, it was something that came up in the last 45 minutes, uh, and they had to go They had to uh, go to the hospital. We just pray that she's going to be okay. We don't think – we definitely don't think it's uh, hopefully life-threatening. Uh, but we understand completely that he had to be there for his family. Uh, we hope that he can join BAMS next week. And I'm already working on uh, the head coach. He couldn't join us tonight because of a baseball commitment, Little League, carry. Uh, but Richard Dorsey, uh, the head basketball coach, at uh, obviously at Luburn High School, uh, that, uh, that tutored Dante Hall, we're working on that as well. All right, well, we'll work on those two for next week. But for now, we're going to close out uh, this week's edition of BAMS Radio. So for Thomas Watts, our producer of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, for Drew Armand of Huntsville's uh, 97.7 ESPN, the zone radio station on FM dial, and for myself, Kerry Clark of Bama Magazine and BamaMag.com, we thank you for listening to this week's edition of Bama's Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Good night and roll tide, everybody.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.